Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Amen, amen. It is good to be with you this morning. What a great time of worship. Man, how is everyone today? Fantastic. I know. It's good. It's good stuff. Man, I tell you, what, a, what an incredible season uh, and God is moving in really, really cool ways, and uh, man, really just just love to see uh, what God is doing. How many of you guys have paid attention at all to uh, some of the, the media, the Christian media for sure, uh, to hear what's taking place in some of our college campuses uh, across the nation, different spots? How many of you guys have are familiar with, you know, kind of what's taking place, like in Asbury, um, and you know, there's this, there's a conversation taking place of uh, however we want to describe it, whether it be revival, awakening, there's a lot of different phrases that people are using. It's really a, it's really cool to see what's happening uh, in some of our college campuses and and around the, the country. And uh, man, I'm excited to see what God is doing. We have seen God move in really, really exciting ways here in this church, uh, in really cool ways in this community. Uh, we're seeing God move not only here, but uh, like we see across the across the nation. I was talking to someone the other day who actually attends another church here in town, and they were just talking about what God is doing in their church. And I thought, man, this is so cool how God is really moving. Uh, again, not just here, but in, in in places all over this area and really all over the world. I'm really excited about that. What I want to do is I want to pray for us this morning um, and kind of walk through some of this as we jump into the sermon series as we're talking through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in the Beatitudes. We're early on in this. And so as we jump into this, I want to pray for you this morning. But I really want to pray um, through the lens of the song we just sang, right, which is God, we want to make more room for you in our hearts and lives. And uh, can we pray that this morning? Can you just bow your hearts and heads with me this morning? Father, can we just thank you for your love for us that is displayed in so many ways, but really your love for us that is displayed in the reality that you are with us, that you walk with us, that you care about us, that you that you are here today, that you, that you understand our hearts, you understand our situations, and you are there for us as we walk through this life. Lord, I thank you so much for your love for us, that, that really, that not only are you with us, but that love that sent you to the cross to provide a way for us to find forgiveness for the, the pains and the hurts and the sins of our lives. Lord, I just, we come to you this morning, and we just ask that you are glorified and worshiped in this place, Lord, that our hearts and our intentions are focused on you. And Lord, we just ask that your will be done here today. Lord, that your will be done in this service, that your will be done in this church, that your will be done in our homes, in our communities, in this area. Lord, let your will be done. God, we love you, and we need you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, man, I tell you, I've got to say it because uh, those of you who know me, um, are going to wonder why I didn't say it, um, but so I've just got to go there. So for those of you who don't like winter as much as I do, okay, um, how you guys saw that beautiful snow this week? Oh, I wish it would have stayed. Wasn't it fantastic, though? Oh, it's so good, so good, right? So good. Um, uh, and some of you guys are like, get this guy out of here. I know, I know, but I have to, I have to say it. <coughs> but uh, man, I want to jump back into this, 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 what's taking place nationally right now is really cool, and 
And uh, man, I just love this 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 narrative that's taking place in our community uh, and in our world. And what you're seeing is young people, the next generation, really seeking after God um, and just continuing to 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 seek after God. Uh, what you're hearing in the stories and the articles that I've read as it relates to this uh, conversation, what you're seeing is there's this there's this full understanding of 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 um, people who are uh, just seeking more of God. It's it's revealing itself in word things like prayer and confession, right? It's revealing itself in prayer and confession. And man, what a what a beautiful scene that is. When what you see in the words that I would say today is is that it appears that people are making more room for God in their life. You know, uh, how exciting is that? And I think that's the challenge for us, for all of us, uh, not only uh, in today and this week, but in our lives. This challenge is a phrase I've, I've used often. I've often said that your experience with God is directly related to the amount of desire you have for him. I believe that to be true. I believe that your experience with God um, is in, in the way you walk with God, the way you experience God in your life as, we, as, you, as you journey through this thing we call life, that your experience is directly related to the amount of room that you make for him in your life, right? It's, 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 it's related to the amount of focus and the attention you, you put on the things of God, right? It's, it's directly related to the amount of God that you want in your life, your desire as you, as you seek him, as you open up your heart, as you surrender to him, and as you surrender more and as, make, as you make more room for him and as you allow God into your life more and as you, as you find and follow him in not just some areas of your life, but in all areas of your life, what I believe is your experience with God is, is really representative of those things. You will experience more of God when you make more room for him. All right, that's a, that's a true story that you'll experience more of God when you, when you surrender more to him. You know, last week we used this phrase, do your feelings determine your response to God or does your response to God determine your feelings? And that was one that I encourage you to pray through this week, to really walk through and, and allow that to challenge you. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to touch on that a little bit later on. But I want to jump into Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Uh, if you want to go there, this is where we're at in the Beatitudes today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It's on page 579. If you have a, a pew Bible with you this morning, uh, if you want to grab one out of the pew, you can go ahead and open up to page 579. But, but Matthew chapter 4, it's a very, very quick verse. It said, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Man, that's fantastic. Right. And I know in our own worlds, we think so often it's easy for us to identify the word mourn with an experience in our life. I think most of us, when we hear the word mourn, we would say, oh, mourning is directly related to an experience of loss. Right. When when we experience loss in our lives, we mourn that loss. Well, well, I want you to know, as you can assume that this this beatitude, this verse, this phrase, this understanding of mourning is much deeper than just that. 
that is much deeper. And as we study this and as we look at it a little bit more, I want to go on this journey with you this morning as we look at this word mourn. And first of all, the word mourn in the Greek really is just talk about to, is to be sad, to lament. So again, we're talking some emotions here, to be sad. And, it's, and it's, a, it's a natural thing to be sad. It's a natural thing to lament. You can read through the Psalms. You'll see David does that over and over and over again. There are so many times when people will lament is the biblical word, but just to grieve to be sad about, to express the emotion of grief, right, in many ways, is lamenting. But the Bible speaks to this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through this a little bit, but I want to talk about experience with God. I really want to take this, this beatitude this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, that says, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I, wanna, I really want to talk about your experience with God. And I, last night on, on social media, some of you may have seen it, uh, I don't do this often, but I threw a little teaser out there, and I, and I threw out a phrase on Twitter and on Facebook, and here's the phrase that I, that I, that I shared, it was the, this, it says, there's a significant difference between the prayer asking God to bless what we care about, and the prayer asking God what he cares about. There's a significant difference in those two prayers. Now, can I just say, first of all, that both of those prayers are a part of our life, right? I want to just, there's not a right and a wrong. There's not a good and a bad in these two phrases, right? There is, both of those prayers are a, a, a rhythm of our life. Both of those prayers, and we pray often about the things that we care about, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, ho- hopefully you parents on a regular basis are praying for your kids, Right? I think that's, that is you praying for the things you care about, right? So there's nothing, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to, there's a significant difference though when you think about praying for the things that I care about and the prayer for the things God cares about. That prayer that asks God, God, what do you, what do you care about? What matters to you? in this situation? What matters to you in this circumstance? What, what matters to you? And, and I think there's a significant understanding there that both of those prayers are important, but one has a different approach. And I'll illustrate the approach this way. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and, they, and I won't get into the details of it, uh, but they just had a, an, uh, a situation that took place in their life. I'll say they had a car accident recently. Right. And so, as you can assume, there's this accident. And then uh, what happened was the dominoes began to fall like this led to this, which led to that, which led to this, which led to that. And there was this downward spiral, so to speak, of experience. You know what I'm saying? Like there was this, you know, this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And you got to a space where you just went, oh, oh, and they were they were in this spot of and I'll use the word despair. Right? They were in this spot where they just went, now what am I supposed to do? You know, have you ever been that, been there in your life? You ever been faced with something that it felt like, uh, it's just one thing after another. The hits kept coming, the pain, oh, this and then this and oh. And then you get to a spot where you just go, now what in the world am I supposed to do? And so often in those moments, we, we, we turn to God and we, we ask for God to, to be with us. And we pray for the things that we care about in those moments, right? And we pray about those. And here's my challenge for us in that. And, and in these two prayers, these two prayers that really kind of 
uh, reveal itself in situations like that. And my goal here at Faith Church, we talk about finding and following Jesus in every area of our life as a safe place to find and follow. And finding God is really just about being aware of his presence. In every situation, in every circumstance, to be aware of his presence. What we care about here at Faith is that you understand that God is with you. Right? That you understand that, that when you walk through life, that God is with you. He is there. So we want to find him in every situation, every decision, in every circumstance, in every conversation. The goal for us here at Faith is to find God. And, and finding can be defined by being aware of his presence in that conversation, in that situation, in that decision. God, I need to see you in this. And then there's the second half to this phrase, which is not just to find him or to be aware of his presence, but to follow him. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, that's the difficult one, right? That's the one. Sometimes we're like, oh yeah, all right, God, here's, here's, yes, I found you. And God says, all right, here's how we move forward. And you're like, yeah, but for real? Right, we see that illustrated in the story in the New Testament, the story of the rich young ruler, when he rolls up and he's like, hey, listen, I've done everything. Like, what else? And Jesus is like, hey, I got something for you. You ready for this? He's like, yeah, I'm ready. For now, this is the Tom Grove version. It doesn't read like this in your Bible. But, but he says, yeah, I'm ready. What, what you got? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And he's like, okay, you ready? You ready? Are you sitting down? He's like, no, I'm excited. I'm standing up. I really, I, read, I put a lot of stuff in there, didn't I? <laughs> so please forgive me because that's not how it reads in your Bible. But it does read like this. He shows up. He says, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus responds. He says, I'll tell you what. Go sell all that you own and give it to the poor. Come and follow me. And he's like, You know what I mean? He's like, ah, I'm going to go home and think about that. You know, he's out, of, he's out of Dodge, but he's out of here, right? And sometimes finding God is one thing. Following God is a completely different thing. So here at Faith, we talk about finding and following. And here's, here's the statement I want to make as we look at this, even the story of this car accident and this domino effect of, of situations that get you to a spot of despair and, and what, I would, what I would ask you to recognize in this, in your own life, in your own stories, when, you, when something happens and you have this, this domino effect, this, these things, these events that keep happening, this downward spiral, so to speak, what I would ask you to recognize is at what points do you surrender to God? Right? It's, and so what happens in most people, and, and this is not a knock, it's just a reality of, of American culture and human nature. Right. And it's, and it's one of these things where most in human nature. Right. And at the time we get to the, the spot of despair. And we go. I don't know what to do. Lord. Can you help me? In other words, I have tried everything I know to try. I have done everything that I think I know what to do. I have called. I, and so. Hey, Lord, I need you in this one. And, and my, my challenge for us in this understanding and in these two prayers is to move God up the line in your response. 
Like, so the challenge for us is at what point in situations, at what point in our relationships, in what point in our conversation, in what point in our decisions do we really turn to God and say, God, help me to find you in this and help me to follow you. Really, the the evaluation of your heart is, and only you know this because it's different for all of us, but it really comes down to at what stage, if you were to to outline the process of decision-making, or if you were to outline the process of situations or circumstances, if you were to outline that process, at what bullet point does the surrender to Jesus show up? Right? It's, It's that kind of thing. And and what I want to encourage you today is for that bullet point to get higher on that outline. You know, here's another phrase for you uh, to kind of kind of maybe challenge you in some ways is, is this. It's there's a significant difference between prayer asking God to bless what we do. And the prayer asking God to be part of what he's doing. Right? There's a difference in those two prayers. There's a significant difference in the prayer that says, hey, God, here's what I'm doing. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm ready for. So God, bless me in this. And then the prayer that says, God, whatever you have for me, I'm in. There's a difference in those two prayers. There was a phrase that I've used uh, in the past, too, one of my favorite phrases, some of you guys like this one. Uh, I don't know where I got it from. So here's, here's I remember this, Richard Crisco, a long time ago, a, a youth pastor way back, was at a conference, and he said his definition of creativity is forgetting where you found it. And so I'm just going to take credit for this one now because I don't know where I found it. So, uh, my, But here, here's the phrase that I've used so often, and that is what one generation allows, the next generation accepts as normal. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if we're going to really talk about some of these things, when we look at Scripture, think about this for a second. What one generation allows, the next generation accepts as normal. And sometimes we look at America and we think, man, we, we got to a spot where some of our, some of our, um, uh, uh, our leaders in the nation and some of the, those who do the research, the Barnas and, the, and the, the Rainers of the world, those guys, they'll say things like, we live in a biblically illiterate society. And man, for the church, it's just painful. You're like, oh. And then you see some of the chaos that's taking place in the world, and you just go, really? Really? Like, really? Like, we should be better than this. Right? You just go, oh. <sighs> like, we should be better than this. But then you look at our lives and you say, hey, what one generation allows, the next generation accepts as normal. And generation after generation after generation after generation, what we have done is continually lower the expectation of what it means to be a Christ follower. Right? The average attender, the average person, now I'm just, I'm just saying it, I'm just quoting stuff, right? Like the average person that calls a church home attends like 1.6 times a month. That's, that's the average. Yeah, I go to church, 1.6 or so. Those numbers move a little bit, but 
right? And so what we do is we continue to lower the expectations. And, and so then we get frustrated when we continue to see the world and go, oh, what's going on? You know, whose responsibility is that? When I was at the national office, I used to get frustrated and people didn't like me for this, but oh, well, I'm not there anymore. So, um, but you know, I, they, would, they would say things, they would talk about this. They would say, oh man, we live in a biblically illiterate generation and society. And so they would say, like, use that like an excuse. Like, oh man, well, it's harder for us today than it was back then because society as a whole doesn't embrace the Bible as the absolute truth, as the word of God, right? And so because it doesn't represent, because the world doesn't do that, it's harder for us. And I say to them, well, whose fault is that? Whose job is it to, to share the good news to the world? If we live in a biblically illiterate generation, whose fault is that? And y'all look at me like, man, why did I come to church today? This ain't right. You know, and it's one of these things like, here, and here's the reality of it. The reality of this, what's happening is, is that, oh, we just... Oh, we've just let so much go. We've just let so much go. And so we look at our lives, and I'm like, hey, in our, in our outline to how we respond to things, you know, what, is, what does that look like for us? And, uh, I, you know, sometimes we don't go to God until it's almost too late. And I'm challenging us to raise the bar of expectation, to move our response to God higher on this outline. And I know here's the reality of this. You know, I'm, I'm talking, some of us are here in this room going, that's hard. You know, it, it is hard. It's extremely hard. I want you to open your Bibles up to Isaiah chapter 6. I just... This story is such a phenomenal story. It is hands down one of my favorites. Uh, if you have a pew Bible, it is on page 408. It's on the top left-hand corner. It starts uh, on page 408. But um, if, if you have your own Bible, if you have an electronic Bible, uh, you can find it today. Um, can, I, can I say something else that may make you mad? I'm just doing it today, right? I'm that guy today. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, what's funny about the next generation Here's true stat, true, true stuff. When you look at Gen X, Gen, not Gen X, I'm sorry, Gen Z, Gen Y, our homelanders are, are the younger generations. When you look at them, you know, what's funny about them is that they actually prefer paper books over electronic books. It's, it's, it's the truth. That's why the Kindle is nearly not a thing anymore, because the next generation didn't pick that thing up. They, they prefer to hold a book. They prefer, the, the younger generations actually prefer to hold a book. But then when it comes to the Bible, we all prefer the, the electronic versions. Isn't that interesting? You want to know why? Wait, wait, wait. You want to know why I think? <laughs> I'm going to say it. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> Welcome to church today, y'all. So I'm going to say this out loud. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe because the Bible has a lower uh, uh, respect. We have a lower respect for God's word in our, in our life today, and so we no longer carry it with us, and it's an afterthought for church. So instead of carrying the Bible that we study and we write it, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need my Bible, and my phone is with me everywhere I go. Oh. 
If I need to tender my resignation, I will. Uh, I will. But, I, but, but that's it. Right? How we handle God's word is a big deal. Even for me, I felt convicted recently. I told a few people uh, close to me, some of the staff, I think, that um, I felt convicted myself that I, I come up here and I read the scripture off my notes. And I feel like I do a disservice to you uh, as a leader to do it that way. So I have committed myself to reading out of God's word in front of you. Even though I've read it in multiple Bibles, I've got a bunch on my desk today here. I want to read Isaiah chapter 6 to you out of God's word. So if you got God's word, if you have an electronic version, please, it's okay. <laughs> if, if you feel really guilty, there's a Bible right in front of you, page 408. You know, you get, you're good, you're good, you're good. Uh, top left-hand corner. Anyways, I want to read this story to you because, man, what, a, what an interesting story for us today. And it starts with this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Oh, listen to this. Oh, I just love this. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. His presence filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Oh, just worshiping God. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live amongst the people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Now I want to pause here for a second, because I want to show what's happening here in this story. And I believe that this is the appropriate response to seeing God in his glory. You know what the interesting thing about um, uh, uh, Isaiah's response to seeing God. You know, in the New Living Translation that we read here, the New Living Translation, well, his first response was, it's all over and I am doomed for I am a sinful man. You know what's interesting about that is that he saw the Lord and he saw the, the goodness of the Lord, the greatness of the Lord, the majesty of the Lord, the splendor of the Lord, the, the almighty nature of God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the universe, the Lord of all things. And he saw that and immediately recognized God's goodness, but then he also immediately recognized his brokenness. He immediately recognized that he was broken. It is over. I am doomed. Because I am a sinful man. And not only am I a sinful man, but I live amongst the people that are sinful. And oh my goodness, God, you are good. And I am not. You are great. And I am not. You are holy. And I am not. And I am doomed. The appropriate response to seeing God was brokenness. I'm doomed. 
And then it says this in verse 6, says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Oh, what a great illustration, right? So again, God's response, you got to see this, God's response to the brokenness of humanity is forgiveness, right? And grace and restoration and reconciliation, right? So God's response to this is, is that, and then, then I love this part. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Right, so listen, look at this story. So Isaiah sees the Lord, and his immediate response to the Lord was brokenness, was guilt, shame, right? God's response to that emotion, to that response, was forgiveness. To the point where, could you imagine, I can't, we don't understand the emotions of Isaiah here, but if it was me, here's what I would feel in that. So you feel broken, and then when he's forgiven, he feels restored. Restored to the spot where God asked a rhetorical question, right? He asked a question, ah, man, I wonder, who are we going to send to these people? And the same guy that just shortly before that said, it is over, I am doomed, felt restored enough felt confident enough, felt felt worthy enough to step into that rhetorical question and say, hey, 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 right here, over here, send me, I'll go. And what you see is an emotional understanding of of what's taking place here. I think that's for us when we look at at, at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The mourning has a deep understanding of what Isaiah went through emotionally. He was mourning. I am doomed. It is over. I am sinful. Our people are sinful. We are. It is over. And he is mourning. He is lamenting. He is grieving the reality of human condition. And God says, blessed are those who reach that spot. For they will be comforted. Do you know what's interesting for us in our world is that God's grace isn't expressed through a lack of holiness, but in the comfort and forgiveness of the brokenness of falling short of holiness. See, so often in our world, we we use grace as a catch-all. Ah, God's grace. It's good. He under, God understands. I, I believe in God's grace. I believe that God's grace is greater than we can understand, but I believe that God's grace is poured out not because we need an excuse to do what we want to do, but because we recognize our brokenness. That when we recognize our brokenness, when we recognize our humanness, when we recognize that he is God and we are not, when we recognize that he is holy and we are not, and we are broken, it's why in Psalm 51, David says, a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. When we recognize that who God is, when we experience who God is, and then we recognize who we are, 
Oh, the response to that is similar to Isaiah. There's a brokenness. There's an understanding that, oh, man, I've messed up. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room. There's not a pastor in this nation. There's not anybody in this world that has not fallen short of the glory of God. Every human being that ever took breath has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you say to me today, oh, Pastor Tom, come on, man. Come come on, for real? Like that grace message is so much easier. I, I, I'm telling you, I believe God's grace is more than we'll ever imagine. But if you understand words like repentance and you understand scripture and you, I would love to have coffee with you and walk through scripture. I believe that God's grace is available to the broken and repentant heart. Oh, Pastor Tom, come on, man. Come. The bar is too high. Can I tell you today, you are correct. The bar is too high. If you are trying to achieve holiness on your own, you will fail. If you are trying to do as much as you can to win your grace into God's kingdom, then you will fail. We can't do it alone. In fact, the bar is too high. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn. Yes, for loss, yes, but really when you understand the brokenness of humanity, the, the wickedness of our society, it's mourning over the fact that we are broken and we have messed up and we have missed the mark. And when we recognize that we have missed the mark, God says you will be comforted. You want to see something really interesting here? Is this word comforted uh, is actually uh, paracleta, uh, I'm sorry, paracleo. Now, some of you who understand where I'm going on this one get it already. The word, the comfort word is paracleo. You know what's interesting is that Jesus in John chapter 14, uh, let's just go there. Let's go to John chapter 14. Let's go ahead and read that. It's not going to be on the screen, but if you have a pew Bible, it is on page 648, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. Let's go there together. I'm going to read verse 15 through 18 with you. Um, if you have the NL New Living Translation, this will read. Uh, if you have the New King James, you're going you're gonna to be excited about what I'm going to say in a minute. Uh, but for the New Living Translation, here's what it reads. If you obey me, or I'm sorry. No, that's not what he says. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. <laughs> For real? Watch this, watch this. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The New King James says, helper, who will never leave you. 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Oh man, now listen to this. Let's go back to this word, this word advocate in the New Living, in the New King James. It's helper. In other translations, it's comforter. Okay, here's the word. It's the parakletos. It is a synonym. It's the same understanding of this word. Those who be comforted. Those who mourn, who recognize, yes, who mourn loss, absolutely, but also those who recognize the broken, the brokenness, who we, when we get to a spot where Isaiah was and we see the Lord and we experience the Lord and we understand, oh my goodness, I am sinful. I am doomed. Then, then the Bible says, oh, they will be comforted. The word here is the same word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit that he sends as our helper or our advocate or our comforter. The Holy Spirit was, is with them, soon will be in them. It's an understanding that the Holy Spirit is in you. And here's what's beautiful. It's, the, it's like the picture of the tongs taking the coal from the altar and touching the lips of Isaiah and saying, your sins have been forgiven. What's happening here is we are comforted that the Holy Spirit, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of recognizing that we have sinned, and fallen short. The Holy Spirit will encourage us. The Holy Spirit will lift us back up. We will be comforted. And God goes with us everywhere we go. Listen to this. In Psalm chapter 31, verse 7, page 333 in your Bible. We're going to go fast. We don't have time. But I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. Yes, God cares. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yes, God cares. As the worship team comes on up, the reality is that there's a mourning when we recognize the brokenness of humanity. That there's a mourning as we experience loss. And really, there's a mourning in what we lost at creation. I mean, think about how good God is, right? Think about how good God is. God creates us, puts us in his garden, we'll use as the uh, Bible describes it, puts us in his garden and walks with us, lives with us, says, listen, you can eat from any tree here. You can do whatever you want. Just, just stay away from that one. That one's mine, but you can do whatever you can. You could live. Well, you know us. Curious George, you know. And what happened when we disobeyed God and were banished in some ways from, from his presence in, that, in the garden, there's a mourning in understanding that loss. The loss of what God intended for us. The loss of what God wants for us, the kingdom of God. We, we live here in this earth, but the kingdom of God, understanding the kingdom of God, there's a loss in understanding that we are here and not there. There's a mourning in that. I love this in Revelation verse, or chapter 21, verse 3 through 4. If you have your Bibles open there, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 4, it reads like this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look. 
God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of those things are gone forever. Well, that's the hope that we long for. But in the meantime, we live in a broken world. But we don't have to worry about that. Why? Because when we recognize that brokenness, God will comfort us. God will walk us through. God will restore. He'll restore you. And it's in that experience that the questions change. The prayers change. It's in that experience when we move God up the outline. It's when we pray more about the things that God cares about and less about the things that we care about. Or we pray more to be a part of what God is doing and less about him blessing what we're doing. So the goal for us here to recognize the depth of Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, which is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The, the depth of that is to say that as we continue to make room for God in our lives, we will continue to recognize his goodness and simultaneously recognize our brokenness. But in that, God heals. And in that, God forgives. And in that, God restores. And so therefore, we are comforted. I want you to picture, if you can, close your eyes with me this morning. In fact, let's stand. Let's stand. And I, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture, if you can. Picture standing before God, like Isaiah. Like picture being in that spot, standing before God, the creator of the universe, the Lord over all, the savior of mankind. Picture that. And as we sing a couple songs here to close, I want you to think about something. I want you to ponder something. Do I surrender to God in the hard things? Or do I surrender to God when I can't figure out the hard things? You know, as we worship today, picture God. We'll have some people here that will come up here and be willing to pray with you and for you. If you just need to spend some time in God's presence, you can do it in your seat. You can do it here at the altar. If you're here today and you're like, oh God, I am broken and I need you. And maybe you've never made a decision to follow him with your life. Maybe you've never made a decision to say, God, I'm, I, I want to live for you and I need you in my life. You can make that decision today. It's really just the decision that we talk about, and that's the decision to make the Lord, make Jesus Lord of your life, and to find and follow him in every area of your life. It's a daily commitment. 
to daily walk. And God will restore and strengthen and be with you. But if that's you today, take some time to ask God into your heart and life. Let's just take a moment today and worship him. And think about those things. Ask yourself that question. Do I surrender to God in the hard things? Or do I surrender to God when I can't figure out the hard things? Father, I just thank you for your goodness and for your grace, for your love and for your mercy, for your presence, for your comfort. God, have your way in our hearts and our lives. God, we love you and we need you. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you want to know more about Faith Church, text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening, and may you find and follow Jesus in all you do.